Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Kumon. I am so happy to have you all joining me today as we're getting ready for a big week in the world of racing. We have the Eclipse Awards coming up. We have Pegasus World Cup. There's a lot of excitement uh, with sales as we get ready to kick off the year. Horses that were exciting two-year-olds, now three-year-olds. Kentucky Derby dreaming just a few months away, which is crazy to think about. So a lot to discuss. I have some wonderful guests joining me today, um, in particular talking about some horses that we're going to see running this week. Um, so I hope that you enjoy. As always, thanks for joining me on In the Ring. We'll get right into it and welcome in our first guest. So happy to welcome in Terry Finley of West Point Thoroughbreds. Terry, what a 2022 it was for West Point, of course, highlighted by the magnificent flight line. We're recording this a, a few days away from the Eclipse Awards, and I think uh, everybody's expecting him to be crowned Horse of the Year. But Terry, just take me back a little bit on what this journey has been like for you and your partners and your team. Yeah, well, well I appreciate the opportunity to be on, Acacia. Thank you very much. And I, I, I figured you'd ask that question. And <laughs> I, you know, I think all that's, all that's been meant to said has been said. I, I would say you're talking to someone with a big smile and, and to someone that's very grateful and, uh, you know, filled with gratitude as I know all of our partners are. So look, every, everybody saw what the, the exciting trail, the, the entire industry was on and, um, we were we were fans and it was an incredible year from that side obviously it was a bonus to be attached to this horse and 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 you know flight line overall i'll, I'll answer the first question mm -hmm. like this he's changed a lot of lives mm -hmm. and i think we'll all of us that have been changed by his presence and his greatness will be forever ever thankful to what is flight line you know, it's kind of the the dream of racing, isn't it? I know you and West Point had the opportunity to be part of a Kentucky Derby winner with always dreaming, but you always want that next big horse. You want that next big opportunity. You want kind of truly a horse of a lifetime. And I'm sure even after <laughs> being part of Flightline, you're not done yet. We ain't done yet. We ain't done <laughs> yet. But, but you know, I, I, I will share with you, you know, you, you have you when you sit and you you ponder you know what what has come uh, to us in the last year and the years before we've been we've been extremely lucky I'm, and I'm just talking about to be part of a of a great business and, and I know you and I are big cheerleaders for our business mm -hmm. and I know some people might think it's a little hokey but you know I mean this business has given all, all of us you know so much mm -hmm. you know through the ups and downs and and all that and I'm. You know, I, I just I pinch myself all the time as, you know, from a macro scale and and just, you know, to be in a position where we're, we're blessed enough to have it. It's like you you always thought, like, what would it be like to have one of those that mm -hmm. everybody in the country? Right. Would, I'm talking about everybody associated and into the business would would know. And, you know, to think that now we have a horse um, and we campaigned a horse that everybody in the world knows, it's it really it, it backs you up in a big way. But, um, you know, when I would when we were all up on that stage in, in London on Tuesday and we accepted the world's best horse, um, I, I just looked out and it, it, it was it was 
it's a memory that I'll never forget because, you know, we're not often in the presence or uh, even in the orbit of, of uh, greatness. Mm-hmm. And I, I, too, I thought I thought that we were all in the orbit of, of uh, greatness when we had Flightline, um, especially, albeit an abbreviated campaign, I get it, mm-hmm. but, but three great races in 2022. And now he's going on to his next chapter and to become a stallion and um, with the pedigree that he has. And I, I loved uh, getting a chance to hear um, his breeder from, from Jane Lyon and talking about a little bit about the family and what it's done for her. And it has to be really exciting for you to see him go on to be a stallion now and all of that excitement that that brings. It is. And, you know, you talk about the the concentric circles in our lives. It's interesting, um, right? Vinny Viola and, and his wife, uh, Teresa, they got back into the game in uh, 2011. And look, I'm, I'm a, I run a racing syndicate and um, I paired them up with a, a pedigree expert by the name of John Sparkman. And so, so we bought a couple horses together, but, but Vinny and Teresa really wanted to get in in a bigger way into, into the breeding side. And so the very, very first mare, it was January of 2012. And the first mare that John Sparkman picked out for the Violas was a mare by the name of, of uh, Receipt. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, once you know that Flightline's dam you know, was in, in, in our Receipt's belly when John Sparkman bought uh, that mare on behalf of the, the Violas. So uh, we, we've been following that family and, you know, Vinny, with, with his instinct, right, he, he was attracted to the Phipps families. Um, and as, as we all know, like for a long time, you couldn't really get into the Phipps family mares mm-hmm. uh, in, into those families. So, um, of course, in the last 10 years or so, whenever it was, they, they started to sell. They started to, um, to do some different things. And as a result, the industry right, had the advantage of getting into those families. And, and so that was kind of my entree into, into the world of, of, of those really deep rich and powerful families right fast forward to 2019 and i turn around and and uh, so david and gordo and uh, bill farish and i we uh we see a beautiful yearling that jane lyon you know bred and sold at the saratoga yearling sale while at the same time the Heronis is right there at woodford racing and uh, Sienna Farm, we were all together. I think I got everybody right. I, I got to make sure. But, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but we were we were all together there, and it, it came together very quickly. And um, I, I would say, you know, that's that's a uh, an indication of providence that that everything kind of worked together. But I I thought it was you know fascinating to know the background, especially of the the first two dams mm-hmm. of Flightline. I've had the opportunity to have Vinny on the show before too. And he talked a little bit about his process and going to the sales and deciding which horses to buy and the team that he surrounds himself with. And I know that that's a big piece for West Point as well with the team and relying on the people that know these pedigrees in, in and out, know the physicals, have followed the horses. Can you talk a little bit about that process for you and especially in wanting to cater to some people in your syndicate who may be newer to the game? Yes. Well, um, overall, I think, I think globally, you know, I think the industry is doing a better job attracting people, um, whether it be individual owners or, or, 
uh, people that start out in the syndicates, whether they go on afterwards. I, I, I heard from a significant player in the industry. I remember hearing a speech that he gave and he said, for the longest time, we weren't very nice to people just getting into our industry. Mm-hmm. And it, it really does boggle the mind when you think about it. It's a, it's a complex industry. And it's very, you know, when you look at the walls and the, and the challenge, I mean, it's intimidating even to the most successful person with the wherewithal. So I think we're doing a better job with that. So I, I would say that. And look, there, there are a lot of good teams. There, there are a lot of good buying teams out there. And we see um, oftentimes the same teams and the same owners and trainers and agents uh, every year. Now, of course, that's a function of them having the wherewithal to buy you know, uh, a good number of solid prospects at the yearling and the two-year-old sales and privately. But, you know, I, I, one of the things I think uh, I've really tried to instill in, in the team that I'm part of is we don't look back. We, we don't second guess anybody. And I think that's really been, you know, we, we're always looking forward. Um, and there, everybody knows that when they work with us and they work with me, they're, they're not going to get second guessed and we're not going to go back and we're not going to relitigate the past. Like we're going to learn and we're going to move forward. And I, I think, you know, we all know what the odds are um, and they're very much against us. I'm talking about in general, right? We, mm-hmm. we spend, you know, in general, $2 billion to chase a billion two in purses. So it's right off the bat where, you know, the industry loses 50% <laughs> what <laughs> owners do. So, it, you you have to enjoy uh, the the process. You have to enjoy the the um, the art and the science and the and the majesty of the business, while certainly taking into account the financial side. But um, look, at, we're always trying to get better. And I think when I look at the the successful teams that buy horses and and campaign horses, they're always trying to get better. And I'd like mm-hmm. to think we're doing the same thing. This summer was a really special moment for West Point, and uh, I had the great privilege of getting to interview you and Tom Bellhouse after uh, the 1,000th win for West Point. And you posted something afterwards that I thought was really powerful, too, and saying, obviously, there's the pride with the number of wins and the achievement, but never having had a horse that tested positive as well and celebrating that and and the, the trainers and the team that you've surrounded yourself with. Can you reflect back a little bit on that and how meaningful that was for you? Sure. Um, yes, it, it was when you think about a thousand wins, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, I think we're about at about a thousand twenty now. So we, we've kept plugging and that's, <laughs> that's really been our, our mantra is, you know, we've had some, some years that, you know, we're, we're not super proud to show our stats and we have uh, other years that we, we got lucky and we, we were, we were more successful, but one thing we've done is we've stayed at it and mm-hmm. we, we have not weakened in the sense of, you know, we're, we're, um, we're there, we're there and we're pushing forward and we're, um, you know, we come off a bad year and we're like, Hey, we got this year coming up. And, and so it's the same thing. We came off of a great year in 22 and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to keep the momentum going. But, um, to your question, look, it's, it's a new world in, in society. And, um, I think the industries and the, especially the sports that want to really stay, uh, that stay relevant, that want to stay relevant and, and that truly want to make change 
are the ones that have the best chances to survive and thrive in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think we reached an inflection point a couple of years ago with everything that happened. And, and um, we needed a culture change and we needed to address the, the, you know, the people that were, um, we're just not doing the right things. And, and, you know, we see there are a lot of people in jail right now um, to think that um, the feds, they, they got everybody. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I would bet a whole lot that they got everybody, but you know, I think, I think overall the structure of our business needed to change. And um, look, you can, you can talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, people can't win at 35% and they can't beat, you know, uh, the Todd Pletcher's and the Bill Mott's and the, uh, and the Christoph Clements and the Shug McGee's and you go on down the line, right? There are a lot of good people, but you can't as a trainer or an owner keep saying guys are cheating, guys are cheating, guys are cheating, and then not, not support change in the system. Mm -hmm. You can't have it both ways. And that's really the, the essence of what, what I feel good about is, you know, we, we support change in the business because we, we did, we got tired of, I got tired of, of, you know, getting outrun and knowing that there's something wasn't right. And I just offer that to other owners and trainers, like, like, don't, don't stand up on the, on the trainer stand and complain about the admin part of, of, of the new system, HISA, while every time you get outrun, say, well, that guy's cheating. Yeah. Well, you, you know, we, what, what, so where, where do you go? And I think, I think we have a great opportunity as an industry to, to get behind uh, the, you know, HISA and the people knowing that it's not perfect. And, um, but there are a lot of people in the industry now that can pick the phone up and, and can call Lisa Lazarus and can, can in a very cogent way, explain a, an issue. And she's not going to agree with everything The executive at Heiser aren't going to agree with everything, but they'll listen, they'll mm -hmm. listen. And they've made plenty of changes based on input from horsemen around the country. So I think we're in a much better spot and I think we have a, a bright future but we all have to coalesce and let's take care of the other differences and um, I, I, I go forward. So that was kind of the essence of my point that um, we finally, as owners and trainers and people who love our business, we have much more of a say right now, yeah. but the window is not going to be open forever. And um, I trust and I hope that we're going to take full advantage of this window. As you mentioned, this game has given so much to the people that are part of it, uh, you and I, of course, as well. And, and you've been such a big proponent, as you mentioned, of change within the game. You've also been a really big champion for aftercare, too, and supporting um, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, which I think is so amazing. And um, we've seen more and more horsemen, more and more owners being part of that conversation, too. How important is that to you and, and to uh, to encourage your partners to follow suit? Yeah. It's very important, um, I, you know, and I'm, I'm look, I, we're no different than a lot of other organizations. Um, I think back to the start of the TAA. I'm on the TAA mm -hmm. uh, board. I'm very proud of that. And, and look, I think we overall, the industry has raised a, uh, like awareness. I know my daughter, Erin Birkenhauer, who's our chief operating officer. She's really the honcho. Um, on our team, you know, tracking horses and look, it's, it's not a perfect system across the country, but we do much better um, 
you know, taking care of our athletes after they're finished. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue. It's a never ending journey, but you know, the more that, that we, uh, we bring light and we shine a light on, um, the obligation that we have as owners and trainers and other, other horsemen, you know, the better we're going to take care of our horses. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a struggle that's and a fight and a challenge, um, that we're, we're meeting, um, I'd say more effectively, but we just got to continue. We, mm-hmm. we really do. And these horses, they benefit from it. I'm sure they're grateful to us when they have a safe and secure retirement and, you know, think about what they do for us and what they add to our lives. So um, overall, they deserve it. They've, they've given us some incredible moments and memories on the racetrack too. And as you said, looking for a, a strong year to come as well. And that could start next weekend. The Pegasus World Cup turf decorated invader is going to be running. And it's pretty exciting to see a horse that he obviously was a grade one winner as a two-year-old. And I know it's been a long, tough journey with him. But but how exciting yeah. to see him back in these top races now. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I've said to a couple people, oftentimes you'll see, I don't know, especially these old 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 warriors, the, the grass horses, you know, that were really, really good at the beginning of the career. You can get them back to the races, but a lot of times they just, they're, they're not quite as good as they were, you know, they, like we all, you know, we, we get a little bit older, we lose a step, but so it's, um, you know, great to see the job that the Clements have done. Um, and, and the, the, uh, you know, he spent time, uh, uh, with Bruce Jackson at Fair Hill and some other places to recover. Um, and so it's, it's great to see. I mean, he's, he's got to step up um, in the Pegasus, but, you know, to think that he could win a grade one at two and a grade one at six is, <laughs> is just really, really captivating. Um, and he's doing, he's given us all the, all the right signs. I just hope we're, we're in a spot that if we're good enough, we get to the winner's circle um, and we have no excuses. And that's really been our mantra is just let them run. And if we're the best horse on that particular day, and I, I think we're in with a big shot next week and it's an exciting time. And I know, I know Gulfstream and the Stronic group, they put a lot of effort into, um, into the whole endeavor and, and the buildup. And I, I think it's great. I think it's the, you know, just think it's the, the Pegasus has only been around five or six years, but, I think it's a it's a a spot on the calendar that people across the world uh, they look forward to it because it's a lot of money um, at the beginning of the year where before you know you'd have to get into April or May before you saw the big money um, you know for for turf horses and dirt horses. He's looked fantastic training in the morning and also at Payson. I've seen Signator back and getting ready for uh, for this year with Suge McGahey. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some things uh, we might get a chance to see from him this year? Yes, it, I, I'm getting close. You know, he was. Uh, it, it's it's funny. You you take a look at the at the the push pull of the business. We we win the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, and we were probably going to be two to five in the national. Uh, uh, the mm-hmm. following day at Aqueduct with Signator, and he just came up with a bruised foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you know we're we're back. We we worked a couple half miles uh, Wednesday. We're 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 probably you know Shug's probably going to work on five eighths of a mile up at Payson, and and we'll see. There are a couple races in early February, but you know he's a tap it. He costs a lot of money. Um, you know he's he's by you know again a deep Pips family. He's out of a mayor by the name of, of a, a pension. 
Um, and so we're, we're, we're high on, we're, we're probably a little bit behind the eight ball, but if, if he's got the talent and the, and the will, uh, you know, he's got a shot to put himself in front of the eight ball, but, um, you know, every day is important, uh, for these three-year-olds and we're hoping that, that he has a shot to, uh, to see if he's good enough. Well, looking forward to seeing him this year, Terry. I'm looking forward to all that we'll see from West Point Thoroughbreds in 2023. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Acacia, thank you very much. So happy to welcome in trainer Al Stahl, who's going to spend a little time with me talking about a mare that I know has been very special to him and has created many fans along the way. Now a seven-year-old Delika getting ready for her final race uh, in the Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Al, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Delika, as mentioned, she's seven now. She's had an incredible career, um, 1.4 million she's earned. Can you just talk a little bit about what kind of horse she's been to train and how special it is to have one like her in the barn? Well, the great thing about Delika is uh, she just kept getting better year mm -hmm. by year. And after she had a nice year last year, we weren't, uh, I'm talking like 21. Uh, the owner said, you know what? She's sound and, and we ought to just take a shot on some big races in 22. And I said, well, that's fine with me. And mm -hmm. and he got rewarded big time for that. That was a great, great move on his part. Uh, why she got so good at age seven uh, or at age six, I should say, uh, where she knocked out a grade one and a ton, a lot of purse money. But because um, there was talks about maybe, you know, shutting her down mm -hmm. uh, after the year before. And so um, I don't know why uh, she just stayed sound her whole life. She's got that hardy German breeding. And just a beautiful gray mare and it just uh, everything just kind of comes came together at once and and here we are getting ready to run the pegasus as you mentioned she is a german bred she started off her first three three career races in europe um before coming over to kentucky back in uh 2019 it was her u.s debut actually and can you talk a little bit about the process of finding a horse like her who is a German bred and thinking that she would be one who would suit to come over and race in the U.S.? Because it's not a perfect science, but obviously there has been a lot of success um, with those kinds of moves. Well, this is uh, going back to the, the owner, Paul Varga from mm -hmm. Louisville, Kentucky. He, he has a lot of uh, interest in grass horses and a lot of interest in European uh, racing. And he just kind of Phillies he's looking for so he his focus is narrowed down a little bit so he pays attention to the maidens and and the younger type horses and and then he's got good friends with uh, he's good friends with Case Clay mm -hmm. who is very connected in Europe and he he makes makes contacts and you know we've gone after quite a few horses and the leak was one that just uh, worked out um, that we got actually, you know, a lot of horses that got, you know, wanted too much money or this happened or that happened, but, uh, it's literally just from doing a little homework and then having the right, uh, network to, uh, get the deal done. So that's what happened with the league of Paul spotted her. And then we started, you know, focusing in on her and made contact with the owner. Who's a really big breeder in Germany. He's he'd be the equivalent of a, uh, you know, something, some big type of outfit in Kentucky, uh, so it just, it just, everything came together at the same time. And, and I'm not sure they thought she was going to be like this in America, because I know yeah. uh, from how they've bred the mare since Delika came along, she's uh, upped her game quite a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, I think we uh, surprised them a little bit and 
And uh, but they've done well though with uh, selling some of the offspring, uh, including one I think brought like seven hundred thousand euro or something like that. So um, it's been good for everybody. And I'm sure everybody involved very happy to see uh, the grade one, the Beverly D added to her resume this past year race that she was so incredibly game in that race too. And she really is a beauty. And it seems like that's where she really just put everything all together. Well, it, it, I think it also, she's a tough mayor. That's mm-hmm. um, it's almost, we almost root for the tougher conditions for, her. I guess maybe that's how the German horses can be. Yeah. Uh, like that horse that won the arc a couple of years ago in in the bog and everything. So uh, Churchill's, you know, turf course was uh, in some sort of transition in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't like your traditional turf courses that we have like in New York and in various places, but uh, you know, and then also Kentucky downs with the up and down of the Hills. Um, she loved that. And it just seems like, uh, you know, Gulfstream's turf course, it just switching gears on you is a little, it's got some, <laughs> I hear, you know, they, they took the five eighths of mile races away and things like that. So uh, maybe, maybe that turf course can be a little bit spotty. I, I know it's a new turf course. Maybe it's similar to Churchill and, and we'll, uh, and some other horses might fight it a little bit and maybe she'll just get along with it. But she, she's, she's just very, very tough like that. Yeah. She doesn't like Keeneland at all. She's over <laughs> five at Keeneland, never hit the board, made $30,000. So it took me that long to figure out she didn't like a racetrack, but uh uh, she's a little bit quirky like that, but I guess uh, the tougher conditions are better. But she's also amazingly versatile, too. I mean, I remember when she was running in five furlong turf sprint races, stakes races, and then running all the way to those kind of marathon turf stakes as well. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about finding just that niche for her and what she really did prefer, as you mentioned? I, I've seen you say a couple times that she's a little bit quirky. Right. Well, we, it, what happened was we ran her long. And she got extremely rank a couple times mm-hmm. on us. And so we freshened her up and we said, well, let's start her back short to where we won't have to fight her and grab her and let the, uh, let that natural 22, uh, speed go on. And, and we did that in the first time she ran five and a half at Churchill after, uh, we decided to shorten her up to where she could be off the bridle early with a really fast pace and hopefully just pick it up. It, it worked. It worked the first time. And then we went up to Belmont and we we're on fortunate to get beat in uh, the I think the license fee mm-hmm. and then after the third race I think it was the uh, the, uh, the the not the Troy but the girls version in uh, mm, the caress in, uh, in Saratoga the caress she after the caress Joel got off of her and said ah she's starting to pull hard on me even going short so then we decide to just really just let her roll going really far and she had so much heart and she ran some really good races going mile and a half the Kirtana, the Mount Three Eighths, the the, uh, the Dick over at uh, at Delaware, which she won, and then as we just finally she came back to it, she matured, she settled just a little bit, and middle distance seems to be her best mm-hmm. go. So that's why she's run the mile of sixteenths, the miles, and the mile and eighths. You know, eight to nine furlong. Mm-hmm. So this eight and a half is perfect for her. And I did read that this will be her final race. And I'm sure kind of looking back on uh, some trials and tribulations and finding what suited her, but more than anything, having, as you said, a mare that was sound and consistent. I mean, as a horseman, I can only imagine you always hope for one like that in the barn. Right. You can, you, you just worry about keeping her happy and finding races for, whereas the, the horses we deal with now, Every day is, uh, you know, like a a new day with a horse, you know. So um, I'm sure you know that with uh, your dealings and 
and it's just uh yeah it's very it's it's good to worry about uh things you need to worry about as opposed to um this happening uh, limping here or that but she she's never had any problems whatsoever knock on wood and uh it, it made our life easier of trying to plot a course for her. And she's found so many fans along the way, too. I'm a big fan of her and just how consistent she's been. Um, and you've had so many special horses over the years, too. What is it, do you think, that is is it about training these horses that are kind of those hard-knocking, durable types? I mean, Tom Staytaw comes to mind, a horse that raced um, for quite a long time as well and was always right there in those top levels. As you mentioned, keeping them happy such a big deal. Is it more pressure as a trainer or is that something you'd prefer to have? Yeah, well, I, I like it that way. I just It just doesn't make that much sense to me to to burn a horse up as, mm-hmm. as a young horse. Um, you know, there's plenty of great races when they get four, five, six, seven, if if you have the right horse. Uh, so I, did, I don't really lean on the young horses, uh, especially at two. If they get anything wrong with them, I shut them down. And, and then the three-year-olds, same type of thing. And then you look up and, uh, you know, the, you, the horses have talent. Uh, you you want to keep them around. And mm-hmm. I, I like to give horses seasons off. Uh, main, a lot of times I'll send horses to South Carolina like the old days. And, mm-hmm. and um just have them come back and they, I don't want to say nine times out of 10 because it's not quite that easy, but more often than not, we can say that they reward you if you give them, if you do right by them. And this filly, that last little break she had between, um, you know, last fall and, and starting back at Churchill in the spring um, made a big difference in her. She, she went to South Carolina and just acted, was just acting like a horse. And she came back and she's a little bit more relaxed, a little easier to deal with. And once she got fit and formed, she just started, you know, stringing together some really nice races. Do you know any breeding plans for her that could be in the future? I don't know. I'm not sure if they're going to breed her to sell her, breed her to foal. Uh, I'm just not really sure because I don't think that's been determined. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, And Paul is a, a student of the game and he's very serious about breeding. He knows exactly what he's doing. So well, whoever he picks uh, for whatever reason will be the, the proper horse. I know that. But I, one thing about her, she's outcrossed with just anybody. You can literally yeah. breed her to anybody. So uh, um, it's going to be fun to hear what, what, what he comes up with and what they come up with in the next, I guess, in the next few weeks, really. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting and can't wait to see her racing uh, this coming weekend. I have to ask you while I have you, too, because uh, I mentioned Tom Stay Taught, and he's standing as a stallion um, at Windstar, too, and uh, we're seeing in 2023 his first yearlings. Have you gotten a chance to see any of his foals or, or follow, follow his stallion career at all so far? Well, I, I just found on paper. I haven't seen mm-hmm. – I have not seen a, a horse of his, but I do know his short yearlings in the January sale – sold pretty well i mean way 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 above his stud fee and of course i get calls and texts from various people tell them that they like what they have so um i actually have my wife owns a mare with uh, uh adele dill snyder and and she was empty last year and she's heading up to kentucky and we're gonna we're gonna use one of our times they tie and i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into the times they tie uh, <laughs> uh pedigree so uh I wish I could do it more often, but we only have one mare, so it's not that easy. It's not that easy, but uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give it a go and uh, see what happens. But you know, he was a great horse. You know, he had the, he had a brilliant talent, had some had the pedigree, son of Smart Strike. There's a lot of indicators saying that he's going to be uh, very good in the stud, so uh, he'll get a chance by uh, Windstar and by the uh, Benson family. Uh, so 
I, uh, I think he's got a really good chance. So exciting to follow. And you look at a, a horse like Blame, you trained, and the tremendous success he had in the breeding shed. How exciting and, and fun and interesting is that for a trainer to watch a horse that you had in your care going on to become a stallion? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's unusual. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I have a 35-horse stable, and we have like seven or eight stallions floating around in various yeah. markets, uh, which is a good thing, I guess. And uh, uh, Blame, you know, is, have a tremendous pedigree and a, a great horse on the racetrack and he was a, he's a very good stallion but he's really making his mark as a broodmare mm -hmm. sire i mean he's he's got a two-year-old champion in forte and um and, and uh loggins is out of a blame mare i mean that that's he's getting to be a little bit of a go-to damn sire which is great for him it'll keep him it'll keep him yeah. uh breeding nice mares at a high level for the rest of his career so uh that's very exciting that he's got this secondary uh, uh career going so uh, yeah, I, I, you know, every time I see them form, I'm always watching them and root for them. And <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. We love those blames for sure. And uh, we love Delika. Really excited to see her race this weekend. Al, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. Best of luck with her. Okay, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you all this weekend. A very big thank you to Al Stahl and Terry Finley for being my guests on this week's episode of In the Ring. I hope you all enjoy getting a chance to watch their horses run over the next week and some great insight from um, two wonderful individuals in this game. Really had a lot of fun getting a chance to speak to both of them. So um, looking forward to seeing the year-end honors, of course, which always take place in January, the Eclipse Awards, Horse Racing's Academy Awards, uh, if you will. I've had the opportunity to host the show the last couple of years. It will not be this year, but I'm looking forward to seeing the horses that do uh, get those year-end honors and in the human categories as well. Uh, and then, uh, of course, going on to the Pegasus World Cup races this weekend. Always exciting to kick off the year with some big races to follow. And uh, there are some K Kentucky Derby points races going around as well. Um, I'm going to be at Tampa Bay Downs in a couple weeks a week and a half I should say from I don't even know what day it is sometimes everybody can understand that um, but for the Sam F. Davis going to be there which will be really exciting to follow the road to the Kentucky Derby so hope that you will follow along with all of my adventures as well Again, a big thank you to my guests. As always, head on over to In The Money Media's website. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out all of the great content from my colleagues over there as well. If you're looking for tips and tricks at any racetrack, I'm sure that they have some great analysis for you uh, to take a look at and a listen to as well. Thanks for joining me on In The Ring. I'll see you next time. <laughs>